We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game betting odds on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode eight of the Waiver Wire Rider podcast on Rotoviz Radio. I am your host, Zachary Kruger, and today we're going to be taking a look at players who you should consider adding for your week nine matchups of this fantasy football season. These suggestions are based off of PPR scoring, so be sure to adjust accordingly if you're playing in a format different from PPR. And as always, you can reach out to me on Twitter at ZK underscore FFB. Feel free to send me a tweet, sign into my DMs if you have any questions that you would like assistance with as we head into the season. I will do my best to respond to as many tweets and DMs as I can throughout the week. Um, Roster percentages will be taken from yahoo.com. And keep in mind as we head into this week that the teams on week nine by are the Detroit Lions, Seattle Seahawks, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and the Washington football team. Now let's get into the positions. First on the docket is the quarterback position, and the first quarterback we're going to be taking a look at is New Orleans Saints quarterback Taysom Hill. He is currently rostered in 3% of leagues. The Saints are coming off of a 36-27 win against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in Week 8. In Week 9, the Saints get a game at home against the Atlanta Falcons. Now, Taysom Hill has missed the last two weeks with a concussion. It's probably safe to say that he will be back in week nine. We don't know for sure, uh, but this is kind of a calculated guess. Usually we don't see players miss too many games with a concussion, so I would expect that Taysom Hill will hopefully be back in week nine against the Falcons, which is important for the Saints since they have now lost Jameis Winston for the season due to a torn ACL that he suffered in week eight against the Buccaneers. Um, Trevor Simeon came on in relief of Jameis Winston for that game and had a very good outing against the Bucs and ultimately led the Saints to a win. But I would fully expect that Taysom Hill will certainly return as the starting quarterback when healthy. Uh, Last season, we got to see what the Saints looked like with Taysom Hill as a starter um, in the four games that Drew Brees was out last year. And he was actually very good. Um, Taysom Hill catches a lot of criticism, perhaps for not being the most accurate quarterback, perhaps for being a old quarterback, uh, given how old he was when he entered the league out of BYU. But Taysom Hill has been solid. He averaged 24.7 
7.7 points per game. He was the overall quarterback 9 in the four starts that he had while Drew Brees was out. And most importantly, I think it's also worth noting that we know that Taysom Hill brings the Konami code upside that we look for in our quarterbacks. As a starter last year, in those four games... Hill was actually the overall quarterback two in rush attempts per game at 9.8, just behind Lamar Jackson, who had over 11 rush attempts per game in that span. And Taysom Hill could also be getting back Michael Thomas in the coming weeks. Now, Michael Thomas is on the pup list. He is eligible to return. He has not done so yet. His status remains up in the air, but certainly if Michael Thomas returns and if Hill is the starter, that could obviously lead to a big boost for Hill's overall performance. Um, Again, we know what he did in 2020 as a starter. We know that he can be a very strong starter for a team in need of a quarterback. He could even have the potential to outproduce some of the top quarterbacks we've had in fantasy thus far if he's able to play efficient with the Saints, if he gets Michael Thomas back, if he has that rushing upside we know and love with him. We could see a lot of good things out of Taysom Hill in the coming weeks. So I think that Hill is a priority add in leagues if you're looking for um, just a quarterback in a one quarterback league or even in a super flex league if your second quarterback is not the strongest. I think Hill is absolutely someone we should be looking to pursue right now. We know that elite quarterbacks can put teams over the top uh, in terms of value and when they're when they're acquired. Um, so if you have a strong team that is maybe being brought down by the quarterback position, we know that some of those later round quarterbacks and drafts or those quarterbacks off the waiver wire who perform well can provide significant boosts to our rosters. Uh, last, or I'm sorry, in 2019, we saw Lamar Jackson post a 20.8% win rate in best ball leagues when he was going around the 8th or ninth round of drafts. In 2018, during Patrick Mahomes' MVP season, we saw him with a 21.3% best ball win rate. Again, these are both the one quarterback leagues, but these are elite quarterbacks who boosted our teams and led us to multiple fantasy football championships. I don't necessarily think that Taysom Hill is going to be performing at a level that a 2019 Lamar Jackson Jackson or 2018 Patrick Mahomes, but it's just kind of an example of what we can expect out of a good quarterback um, and the way that they can raise our team's overall ceiling if they perform well and have that top 12 potential. I believe that Taysom Hill does have that top 12 potential. I would absolutely be looking to spend on him if you need a quarterback. Uh, I broke this down into one quarterback and super flex leagues since it's very relevant for both. For a one quarterback league, if I'm in need of a quarterback, I'd be dropping about 20 to 25% fab on him, I think. Um, you know that that's pretty high for a quarterback in general I think but I think that he has the, the potential to possibly be a top 12 quarterback the rest of the way and then super flex I'd probably be looking about a 50% fab on him um, that's from my own personal confidence and just believing that he can be a top 12 quarterback going forward so uh, I'm willing to spend up on him if need be in order to get him if I have room for that second quarterback on my super flex roster so the first quarterback is Taysom Hill 20 to 25% fab in a one quarterback league roughly 50% fab in a super flex league. The next quarterback we are going to look at is Justin Fields of the Chicago Bears. He is currently rostered in 22% of leagues. He and the Bears are coming off of a 33-22 loss against the San Francisco 49ers. In Week 9, Chicago travels to Pittsburgh to take on the Steelers. And in this past game against the 49ers, Fields went 19-27 of passing for 175 yards. He had one touchdown pass and one interception. He also rushed 10 times for 103 yards and one touchdown, finishing with 26.3 PPR, which is good for the overall quarterback five on the week. The good news about what we saw with Justin Fields against the 49ers is that he finally had that breakout game that we were hoping to see from him. He has been abysmal this season thus far. He's only averaging 8.1 fantasy points per game prior to that start against the 49ers. Again, this week he had 26.3 points. The one thing that we kind of have to question a little bit is how will Fields perform going forward when Matt Nagy is back as the head coach, most likely in this coming week against the Steelers. Against the 49ers, Matt Nagy was sidelined with COVID 
COVID, he was not there. Um, on Sunday, he was not participating in any of the decision making that was going on. And what kind of just makes the whole thing ridiculous is the head coach is out and Justin Fields has his best performance. And we've kind of long been saying that what's limiting Justin Fields' upside is the play calling, is the decision making being done by Matt Nagy. Now he misses one game and Fields goes off. So uh, that could be a coincidence. It could just be the fact that it's taken Fields a little bit longer than we hoped to adjust to the NFL game. And maybe now he has it figured out. We're kind of waiting and seeing at this point in time. But Fields has a very nice schedule coming up, not just against the Steelers potentially, but also in the following week. Um, He gets the Steelers, then he has a bye week in week 10. Then he comes back in weeks 11 and 12 against the Ravens and the Lions. So um, again, Fields is only rostered in 22% of leagues. I think that he is well worth an add. Again, if you're looking for a quarterback on on a roster that's kind of devoid of talent at the position, we know that Fields has a talent. We know that he has the ability to lift the fantasy roster, not just with his arm, but also with his legs. And we saw all of that against the 49ers on Sunday. Now we just kind of have to wait and see, see what happens in the coming weeks when Matt Nagy returns and see how Fields performs with the return of Matt Nagy. Um, And even off the bye week after he's going to have week 10 to kind of figure out a few more things before he saddles back up against the Ravens and the Lions in weeks 11 and 12. Um, I think a bet on Fields right now is a bet on him figuring it out and also a bet on Matt Nagy, you know, figuring things out along with him. So there is still a little bit of a gamble involved with that. Obviously, you were not starting Fields any weeks prior to this unless you were in the most desperate of situations due to the fact that he was only averaging 8.1 PPR per game. But I would be looking to spin around an 8 to 10% fab on Justin Fields. Again, if you're in need of a quarterback position and you're banking on someone with his talent finally figuring it out going forward. So uh, the second quarterback, Justin Fields, 8 to 10% fab if you're looking for a quarterback. Um, if you're doing super flex, he's probably already rostered. Uh, the, these percentages only account for one quarterback leagues, but if for some reason he's available, I'd probably be, be putting down somewhere between 20 or 30% on him. Uh, again, banking on him, figuring it out for the rest of the season going forward and hoping that um, Matt Nagy will not limit him for the remainder of the season. We're now going to get into the running back position, and the first running back I want to look at is Tennessee Titans running back Jeremy McNichols, who is currently rostered in just 2% of leagues. In Week 8, the Titans defeated the Indianapolis Colts 34-31. Now they head to Los Angeles in Week 9 to face the Rams. As we already know, Derrick Henry is lost for the foreseeable future due to a foot injury that he suffered in this game. Despite the fact that Henry did suffer this foot injury, he gutted out the performance. It did not result in any rushing uh, carries or yards for McNichols in this game, but he did see again three catches for 33 yards um mcnichols has already contributed in the passing game for the titans uh as evidenced by the fact that he has 27 targets on the season he has a receiving line of 21 catches for 203 yards and one touchdown and the titans went out and signed adrian peterson to their practice squad ahead of their week nine game against the rams the titans are expected to call up adrian peterson before this game we think that he is probably going to serve somewhat as their lead back in place of derrick henry but i'm not sure that the titans are going to be able to rely on adrian peterson uh, nearly as much as I did Derrick Henry. As we know, Derrick Henry had just a ridiculous rushing share. The Titans would lean on him for more or less every down that they possibly could as long as it was a, as long as it was a thin reason. That's what's led to him being such a great fantasy producer and a real-life fan- football producer. He's just been a historically great back now for the last several seasons. Um, I think that now what they're going to need to do is find new ways to utilize their running backs and get a little bit creative. With their running back usage, it's not just going to be running Adrian Peterson into the, a brick wall every time hoping for positive yards. I think it's going to be more of utilizing running backs in their passing game to move the ball downfield as well, which is how I think McNichol 
individuals can benefit from the situation. The Titans as a whole have already targeted running backs 50 times this season, which is good for 13th most in the league. They're averaging 6.3 targets per game to their running backs, and I think now that number has potential to go up, and I think McNichols will benefit from it in a very large way. Uh, he's already been a good pass catching back this season. We like that. We like that aspect of his game when he was coming into the league out of Boise State a few years ago. His production has taken some time to materialize, but now he does seem to have a good role with the Titans that I think may only grow in the coming weeks. When I think of someone like Jeremy McNichols, I think of someone like James White, who, when he played for the Patriots with Tom Brady, was largely utilized in the passing game. He saw several targets a week. He turned a lot of those targets into good receptions, good yards, and a PPR format. That's, you know, that's what we want. Those are easy ways to get points. So um, I think McNichols could be used as an extension of the running game. Uh, in short yard situations, maybe we see screen passes. Maybe we should see short yardage uh, passes over the middle of the field, dump it out into the flats, give a chance to let McNichols make plays in space uh, while the Titans try to figure out a rushing attack that really may not be that great going forward. We don't know that Derek, or we don't know that Adrian Peterson is going to be a good player for this team entering his age 36 season. He averaged under four yards per carry last year with the Detroit Lions. So um, McNichols is someone who I'm very high on heading into this in terms of, I think he could possibly be a top 24 back given his pass catching ability. I don't think it'll take a lot for him to get there on some weeks if the Titans are ever facing negative game script. So McNichols is someone who I do want to be um, looking to add this week. I have about a 20 to 30% fab share on him. Again, this is for PPR leagues. We know that pass catching backs can get us easy points. I think he has a chance to be a very good fantasy producer going forward. So uh, I like Jeremy McNichols a lot. 20 to 30% fab on him. Even if the rushing work isn't there, which it may not be, I think that if he's seeing that 6.3 targets per game that the Titans are already giving to their running backs going forward, I think that McNichols could be giving us a solid double digit floor with an occasional, you know, top 15, top 12 week whenever he may score a touchdown. So Jeremy McNichols, 20 to 30% fab. I'm expecting a low end top 24 production out of him with some occasional spike weeks going forward. The next running back we're going to look at is Philadelphia Eagles running back Boston Scott, who is currently rostered in 19% of leagues. In week 8, Boston Scott and the Eagles won 44-6 at the Detroit Lions. Now in week 9, they host the Los Angeles Chargers. In that game against the Lions, Scott had 12 carries for 60 yards and 2 touchdowns. He did not see any work in the passing game, finishing with 18.0 PPR, which was good for running back 12 overall. Uh, what was kind of disappointing with the emergence of Boston Scott was that it was, ended up leading to Kenny Gainwell not having a very productive day for the Eagles as we had anticipated heading into this game against the Detroit Lions. Gainwell had just 13 carries for 27 yards. He didn't see a single target in the passing game, which is also a bit surprising given that we saw Gainwell receive a decent amount of receiving work while Miles Sanders was healthy. Instead, what the Eagles did was they split up their running back touches all day. Uh, Boston Scott, again, he had 12 carries. Jordan Howard had 12 carries as well, and then Gainwell had 13 carries. But of those three backs, it was Gainwell who had the least rushing yards. Scott had 60 rushing yards. Uh, Jordan Howard had 57 rushing yards and then both Scott and Howard found the end zone twice. Uh, some of this game for the Eagles and their lack of passing work to really everyone involved could have just been the fact that it was a very positive game script throughout this one for the Eagles. Uh, Jalen Hurts himself only attempted 14 passes uh, and that's something that I would not expect to be a normal trend going forward. Uh, again the Lions only scored six points. The Eagles blew them out 44 to six in this one. I think as game scripts start to shift to either more neutral or more negative particularly in week nine against the Chargers I think we could see some passing down work which maybe goes to Kenneth Gainwell but we also know that Boston Scott can be a good pass catcher as well and he had a very strong day in this one so 
Um, the fact that Boston Scott is available makes him someone who I want to be rostering right now. Uh, he, I would probably be looking to bet to do about a 10 to 15% fab bid on him. Miles Sanders is going to be out for at least a few more weeks. Even Jordan Howard, if you're really looking for a running back, maybe Jordan Howard gets in there. We know Jordan Howard is a good goal line back. He is someone who can punch it in from a short yard situation. That's why he had two touchdowns this past week. Uh, Jordan Howard has been a solid fantasy producer for, for years. As a matter of fact, last season, we thought that he was going to be productive with the Dolphins. That ended up not really being the case. But I think that both Howard and Scott have some usable weeks ahead of them for as long as Miles Sanders is out. I'd be doing about a 10 to 15% fab bid on Boston Scott. I would even maybe be looking to do something similar, maybe a little bit lower for Jordan Howard. I think both of them can have usable weeks. And Kenny Gainwell, I'm not dropping him. I'm probably just not starting him until I see some kind of rebound in his production, either in targets or maybe he just is a more efficient runner on the ground going forward if he gets opportunities. It's not like they weren't there for him this week. He just didn't do nearly as much as Scott and Howard did. So I'm holding Kenny Gainwell. I'm looking to add either Boston Scott or perhaps Jordan Howard. If I need a running back, I think any of them could perhaps have a decent week against the Chargers, who are one of the worst run defenses in the league in terms of yards allowed per game. So uh, 10 to 15% Boston Scott for Fab, and then maybe like 8 to 10% for Jordan Howard if you're looking to add somebody. Colm Kelly here, the executive producer of the Road of His Radio Podcast Network and co-host of the Road of His Overtime Podcast, along with the phenomenal Sean Siegel. The wait is over, the NFL season is here, and there's no better time than the present to sign up for a Road of His NFL Pass. You'll get access to all of our content, all of our tools, and everything you need to help you for that in-season success. As a loyal podcast listener, you can get yourself a 10% discount to a Road of His NFL Pass just by adding the code RVRADIO2021 at checkout. Go to rotaviz.com forward slash podcast for more information. Let's go get those championships. I hope you enjoy the podcast. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. 
No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Now we're going to take a look at the wide receiver position, and the first wide receiver we're going to look at is Miami Dolphins wide receiver Devontae Parker, who is currently only rostered in 36% of leagues. In week 8, Parker and the Dolphins lost 26-11 to to the Buffalo Bills. In week 9, they get a game at home against the Houston Texans. Last week against the Bills, Parker had 8 catches for 85 yards. He did not score a touchdown, but he did see 11 targets and finished with 16.5 fantasy points, which was good for wide receiver 19 overall. A lot of people have given up on Devontae Parker. Parker in recent weeks, which is understandable. Uh, he's only rostered in 36% of leagues, likely due in part to the fact that he had a shoulder injury that resulted in him missing the last three games. But before that injury, Devontae Parker was averaging eight targets per game and 11.8 fantasy points per game. Uh, he immediately returned against the Bills. He had 11 targets for 16 and a half fantasy points, and he appears to be okay going forward. Uh, there wasn't any setback that we know of after the game against the Bills. Parker also has some very generous matchups in the next few weeks. He gets, again, the Houston Texans at home this week and then afterwards the Dolphins will face the Baltimore Ravens and the New York Jets. None of these teams are particularly strong on pass defense and the Dolphins are currently throwing at a league high 68% rate in overall game script and even in neutral game scripts the Dolphins are throwing at 65% rate. We know Devontae Parker can be a decent fantasy producer. In 2020 he averaged 11.9 fantasy points and in 2019 when he had his best year of his career he was an overall wide receiver 16 and fantasy points per game at 15.4. Parker is a a very good ad, I think, for any fantasy lineup at this point in time. If you can start, you know, three, four wide receivers, if you have mul- multiple flex spots at your disposal, I think that if you are in one of those leagues where Devontae Parker is not rostered, he is he looks like a priority ad. The, the Dolphins, again, they're throwing at an incredibly high rate, 68% overall, and Parker was averaging eight targets per game prior to the game against the Bills after C- and then went on to see 11 targets. So I really like Devontae Parker in this one. I think that the Dolphins are going to continue to throw a lot. They do not have an overly impressive running back course so Parker I think is a top 24 wide receiver the rest of the way as long as he is healthy I think he will give you some occasional top 12 weeks sprinkled in there so I'd be doing about 12 to 15 percent fab bid on Devontae Parker I would even be willing to go higher if you're really wide receiver needy but I would go out and get Devontae Parker right away um, if you can do it and and add him to your roster and start sliding him in over these next three weeks the next wide receiver we are going to look at is Jacksonville Jaguars wide receiver Jamal Agnew, who is currently only rostered in 2% of leagues. In week 8 against the Seattle Seahawks, the Jaguars lost 31-7. to Now the Jaguars will host the Buffalo Bills in week 9. In their loss to Seattle, Agnew caught 6 passes for 38 yards and 1 touchdown. He also saw a team-high 11 targets, finishing with 15.8 fantasy points, which is good for wide receiver 22 overall. Now, the Jaguars situation as far as receivers go has been a very interesting one one. It's really starting to feel like whatever wide receiver you drafted, whether it was DJ Shark, LaVisca Chenault, or Marvin Jones, you probably drafted the wrong one, and you definitely weren't drafting Jamal Agnew. Um, the one that's most disappointing in particular is LaVisca Chenault, who despite the situation around him, never seems to be the one benefiting from an unfortunate circumstance, whether it be the loss to Travis Etienne, whether it be the loss of Jamal or DJ Shark. It's just not been LaVisca Chenault's offense. It's not been his chance to rise and really be that elite fantasy producer that we hoped he would be this season when we were drafting him. Uh, over the last three weeks, Jamal Agnew, on the other hand, has seen 25 total targets. He's averaging 13.2 fantasy points per game. And again, he had a season-high 11 targets in the loss to the Seattle Seahawks, and he found the end zone for the only Jaguars score of the day. 
it's certainly difficult to get optimistic about Jaguars players um, in particular because their offense is not that great and Trevor Lawrence himself has not looked particularly good but there could be something here with Agnew just in terms of the way that the Jaguars are using him yes they're targeting him at a high amount but most of Agnew's snaps are also coming from the slot and I think that his success can in part be due to the fact that he plays in the slot and Trevor Lawrence is trying to find a safety blanket to dump off targets to Agnew has an average depth of target of just 6.8 so it's not like he's being targeted heavily down the field but he is being targeted heavily and given a chance to make plays after the catch. I think that Lawrence needs those safety valves because he has not performed well this season and he's looking to just kind of make the game easier for him. We've seen that with the way Agnew has been used recently. I also think that we may have seen that with the way that Dan Arnold has been used in recent weeks as his targets also continue to grow. So I don't love Jamal Agnew from the standpoint of him being an elite wide receiver, but I do like him from the standpoint of possibly being a high volume slot receiver if this trend were to continue on. Um, it certainly looks like it's been a prominent thing for the Jaguars over these last couple of weeks. Again, 11 targets was his high this past week, but he's seen 25 total targets over the last three weeks. That's good for just under seven targets per game. That's a very good production um, line for Agnew if that continues on. We've seen plenty of slot wide receivers kind of give us those nice four performances as wide receiver threes. I also think that if he's getting that volume, then he's going to also sneak into the top 24 whenever he scores a touchdown as he did this past week. Again, finishing with 15.8 PPR as a wide receiver 22 overall. So uh, the same rules will kind of apply with Agnew as they do with Devontae Parker. I think that he's a guy who you go out and get. I certainly am not prioritizing him as much as I am Devontae Parker, but if you have multiple wide receiver slots where you can throw him in there, I think Agnew maybe is starting to create a decent floor for himself going forward, which even in a Jaguars offense could be pretty decent. I would be looking to do about 8 to 10% of fab on Agnew. Now we're going to get into the tight end position and we're going to stick with Jacksonville Jaguars players. This time we're going to be looking at tight end Dan Arnold, who is currently rostered in just 4% of leagues. Again, the Jaguars lost 31-7 to the Seahawks in Week 8. In Week 9, they host the Buffalo Bills. This was by far the best game of the season for tight end Dan Arnold, who saw 10 total targets, turned them into 8 receptions for 68 yards, and finished with 14.8 PPR, which is good for the tight end 2 overall. One interesting fact that I had noted, I actually tweeted it out earlier while researching for this show, is that of the top 12 scores this week for tight ends in PPR format, 5 of those tight ends were rostered in 0% of leagues. That's just kind of a testament to how gross the tight end position is as a whole. But Dan Arnold might as well be <laughs> rostered in zero percent of the leagues as well because he was only rostered in four percent of leagues. So there's not a lot of people who are high on Dan Arnold, but I think that that is something that's going to change this week. I expect his rostered percentage to jump significantly, and I would encourage you to get in on him if you don't have a very good tight end, if you don't have someone who you view as particularly reliable. Since joining the Jaguars after the trade with the Carolina Panthers, Arnold has now seen two targets, eight targets, five targets, and then ten targets again in week eight. I would almost throw out the first week where he saw only two targets. It was his first game with the Jaguars after the trade from the Panthers. He had only been on the roster for a limited time. So I almost viewed Arnold's target share more as a 8-5-10, just kind of throwing those two targets out in that first week when he was just getting acclimated with the roster. Arnold is averaging 8.7 points per game with the Jaguars, but he has now seen double-digit performances in two of his last three games. I know that the tight end position is not great. I know that it's something that uh, is, is sometimes difficult to navigate, which is why I think that finding these tight ends who are getting these targets, even if they're not producing as, you know, the Travis Kelsey's, the Darren Waller's, the George Kittle's of the world's, at some point in time, what I like to do with my tight end is really just find a guy who I think I can bank on for a decent week. And if you're seeing eight, five, or 10 targets in any given week, that could easily turn into a top 12 performance. And I'm not one to gamble on hoping that someone at tight end is going to do well. I think that bites a lot of people. I kind of look at something that I say is 
marginally reliable and i just like to roll with it uh some of my leagues in particular i'm using uh dalton schultz of the of the dallas cowboys i don't think dalton schultz is going to be you know an elite tight end but i think that in that offense he could be very good more weeks than not and i would rather just have him in my lineup for the weeks where he hits and then just take the loss and hope that the rest of my team kind of picks up bad performances at the tight end position whenever schultz doesn't perform so i think that dan arnold has a chance to perhaps turn into that kind of player we know that he's a great athlete we know that he can be used in the intermediate and deep parts of the field and I think that with the way that the Jaguars have been targeting him and even the tight end position as a whole I think that Dan Arnold is starting to creep into that territory of maybe being a tight end who we can just logically put into our roster every week hope that he gives us a decent floor and occasionally hits a high ceiling again he was a tight end two overall this week at 14.8 PPR so I would be looking to do about a 5 to 10 percent fab bid on Dan Arnold if you're in need of a tight end I kind of give that range just because one I don't like spinning up a lot on the tight end position if I don't absolutely have to but then also sometimes people are just looking to spot start a tight end for a week if they have one of their lead options out or maybe a really good tight end on their roster is injured so if you're looking for just a maybe a flyer for one week maybe you do the lower end of that bid do five or six percent on Dan Arnold see if you get him if you're looking for someone who you think could maybe be solid for you going forward because your tight end position is just decimated maybe you go closer to that nine or ten percent range for Dan Arnold and bank on him seeing these targets continue and occasionally finding the end zone to give us some top 12 tight end weeks going forward so uh, Dan Arnold, Jacksonville Jaguars tight end, five to t- five to ten percent fab, depending on your need and and how much faith you have in him. But for me, I think that Dan Arnold is someone who is nearing being a guy who we can rely on more weeks than not. The next tight end that we're going to look at is Pittsburgh Steelers tight end Pat Fryermuth, who is currently rostered in ten percent of leagues. In Week Eight, Fryermuth and the Steelers defeated the Cleveland Browns fifteen to ten on the road in Cleveland. In Week Nine, they play host to the Chicago Bears. Uh, in that game against the Browns, Fryermuth caught four passes for forty four yards and one touchdown he finished the day with seven targets he finished with 14.4 ppr on the day which was good for tight end three overall just behind dan arnold who we just talked about um and fryermuth is someone who i mentioned before i mentioned him in week six uh after he caught seven targets for 58 yards and finished with 12.8 PPR in that week. Then the Steelers went on a bye in week seven and in week eight, Fryermuth returned, this time without Eric Ebron, who was missing the game due to a hamstring injury and Fryermuth still had a decent day. Now, it's also worth noting that Fryermuth had a good day in that week six performance with 12.8 PPR. In that game, Eric Ebron played, but that was the Steelers' first game without Juju Smith-Schuster. So there's a chance that Fryermuth could be used more in the passing game going forward just to supplement the loss of Schuster, um, Juju Smith-Schuster, I guess I should say. But I think that right now, at this point in time, the way he's performed this season, Eric Ebron has not nearly sniffed the targets that Fryermuth has had. He has not seen the snap share. Everything's just kind of trending down and away from Eric Ebron. Everything is trending up for Pat Fryermuth in a big way. I really don't see how the Steelers go back to Ebron beyond just like a little supportive role where he, you know, occasionally sees a field in two tight end sets. Maybe he's used down the red zone occasionally, which would hurt Fryermuth a little bit. But overall, I think that Pat Fryermuth is someone who the Steelers will be leaning on a lot going forward in the passing game. They really have no reason not to. He's been very solid for the Steelers over the last couple of weeks. In total, he's caught 11 passes on uh, 14 targets and and he's just been a very solid player of these last couple of weeks when the Steelers have played I also think that the fact that he's a tight end works well with Ben's arm which is limited at this point in his career Fryermuth can kind of be used over the middle of the field in the more intermediate parts which gives Ben Roethlisberger another target to throw to when he's not looking outside to someone like Chase Claypool or Deontay Johnson so um, I would be viewing Fryermuth very similarly to Dan Arnold as one of these tight ends who is kind of nearing the set and forget territory where we're just going to hope that he continues to see the targets 
targets that he continues to produce with those targets and more often than not gives us a tight end one performance a top 12 performance that we can just be happy about uh on any on any given fantasy week since we're probably not going to be starting one of these elite tight ends um that we that we so love and travis kelsey darren waller george kittle if we're just looking to add guys like pat fryermuth chances are you're looking for someone who you're hoping will hit so you don't have to worry about this position anymore so i like him i'd be doing again five to ten percent fab bid on fryermuth uh he may even have a little bit more upside than dan arnold simply because of the fact that he plays in an offense that is better maybe not much better but certainly better than the jacksonville jaguars so tight ends for the week dan arnold pat fryermuth i'd be doing five to ten percent bid on either of these players um, hoping that there's someone we can just rely on having in our lineup on a consistent basis we're now going to get into the super sleepers portion of the show where we cover some players who gave us something encouraging in the previous week and hopefully that could be a sign of things to come further on down the road in this case we have two running backs on the list the first one is kansas city chiefs running back Derek gore who is rostered in zero percent of leagues in week eight against the giants gore rushed 11 times for 48 yards and had one touchdown. He finished with 10.8 PPR on the day, which was good for RB28 overall. And now the Chiefs will host the Green Bay Packers in week nine. Uh, I had to do a double take when I saw Derek Gore running the ball for the Chiefs. I had not admittedly heard of this player. I, I thought something happened that Frank Gore was signed and it somehow slipped through the cracks. And it was just something that no one in the in, in the Twitterverse knew about because I did not see anything about this Derek Gore guy. Um, and then I realized what was going on and, and it was Derek Gore not Frank Gore. But Derek Gore ended up having 11 targets on the evening against the Giants. It was just behind Daryl Williams, who had 13 carries against the Giants, and Gore found the end zone while rushing for 48 yards. It was a very good day actually for Derek Gore who again he kind of came out of nowhere did what he did and gives us something to talk about heading into week nine against the Packers but even going forward as Clyde Edwards-Hilaire may miss this game against the Green Bay Packers in week nine we know CEH has been out for the last several weeks nursing an injury Um, he could come back this week against the Packers but that's not a guarantee which I think creates a very interesting situation for Gore not just in week nine but then also going forward um, given that Gore came out of nowhere given how he performed against the Giants I think it's even worth questioning whether or not he should now be considered as the immediate backup to Clyde Edwards-Hilaire if something would happen to CEH again this season and he were to again miss time. We know that it's been Darrell Williams for most of the season. This Derek Gore game came completely out of left field and not only did it come out of left field but he produced and he produced at a decent level uh, for the Chiefs in this one. We know Kansas City is trying to fix their running back position. There's been rumors that maybe they're interested in Marlon Mack of the Indianapolis Colts but unless they get Marlon Mack or go out and trade for someone else, Derek Gore probably remains in the conversation as a potential immediate backup to Clyde Edwards-Hilaire just because of this performance alone against the New York Giants. But then even going forward, if he has another decent game against the Packers, he's really going to be someone who we're going to be talking about now. So um, I'm interested in Derek Gore. I'm interested in him just from the perspective of what if he is a backup quarterback to CEH in an offense that I know has struggled this year, but by all accounts should still probably be better than what it is. He's a player who I'm, I'm looking to get. I don't think that you're going to be able to get him for free. I'm also not dying to spend a lot of fab on him. I'd probably be doing somewhere in the neighborhood of 2 to 5% fab for Derek Gore, just hoping that I at least put it forward a decent enough shot to get him on my roster. If I do and he ends up being that lottery ticket that hits, then I'm going to be happy for it. If I if I don't get him, then I just hope that he's not the lottery ticket that hits for someone else who bid a higher number than I did on him. So I'd be looking to do about 2 to 5% fab on Derek Gore. He's a very interesting player, someone who 
just kind of surprised us all this week with the usage that he saw and then the fact that he gave us the double digit fantasy performance was really unexpected but um I'm, I'm looking to add him I view him as a super sleeper this is a one-time performance for all we know he could be relegated to the bench the practice squad whatever but for at least this week Derek Gore is interesting um if Clyde Edwards Elaire doesn't play and even as possibly the backup to Clyde Edwards Elaire going forward if he continues to show out well when given the opportunity to do so the next super sleeper we will be looking at is Washington football team running back Jared Patterson, who's currently only rostered in 2% of leagues. He and the football team are coming off a week 8 loss to Denver, 17-10, to and now the football team heads into a week 9 bye. In that loss to the Broncos... Patterson rushed 11 times for 46 yards. He did not have a touchdown. He also saw one target and finished with 4.6 fantasy points, which is good for the running back 51 overall. Patterson was someone who I mentioned very early in this series. He may have been my first ever super sleeper stash that I had mentioned basically because of what we saw from him in the preseason. He was one of the best preseason running backs. He ended up making the roster as a undrafted free agent at the University of Buffalo. And I believe firmly that heading into the season if something were to happen to Antonio Gibson it would be Jarrett Patterson seeing the majority of the rushing attempts not um, JD McKissick I think McKissick is firmly solidified as a pass catching back in that offense I don't think he is in any way solidified as a running back in that offense who's going to be seeing carries Um, and now Antonio Gibson, he's currently nursing a hairline fracture in his shin. I don't think he's going to be getting better from that at any point in time in the season. The the football team has come out and Gibson has come out as much and already said that. It's going to be something that he's going to have to play through. But we kind of saw that injury maybe take an effect on Gibson in week eight against the Broncos. Gibson only had eight carries for 34 yards in that game. He was not good. And Patterson ended up leading the backfield in carries that day with 11, again, for 46 yards. So I think that Patterson has now become almost like a priority add and stash on your bench. I think that he's going to catch a lot of people's attention with this 11 carry performance. Thankfully, he didn't score the end zone or have a crazy big day. He's going to fly under the radar, I think, still for a lot of players. But I think you're going to need to bid a little bit of fab on him uh, in order to get him and I think that at some point in time in what's probably now a lost season for the football team it wouldn't even be shocking to see the football team just shut down Gibson entirely and and let Patterson just grind the season out for the remainder of the way I think that for right now the football team is still going to be trying to get Gibson out there I think they're still going to try to use him but um, even if they do he may see some limited snaps which I think could also come to the benefit of Patterson so um, he's someone who I, I definitely want to be adding as a bench stash right now the football team is on a bye in week nine maybe Gibson recovers a little bit rests up a little bit with his shin maybe he looks a little bit stronger the coming weeks but my my confidence in Gibson is is dwindling and I think that the football team at some point in time could even make a decision on whether or not it's worth running him out there and risking further injury when at this point in time all they're playing for is paychecks and the remainder of the schedule not a playoff spot so I'd be looking to stash um, Jarrett Patterson at this point in time more so than I would before when I previously mentioned him I'd be doing I'd be comfortable doing up to a 10% fab bid on him I'm going to let that kind of be up to you all as far as discretion goes and how you think your league may play it there's going to be leagues where he's going to fly completely under the radar you'll be able to add him for free afterwards there's going to be sharper leagues who are going to look to kind of see the writing on the wall with Gibson and add him right away and they're going to be more aggressive in their bidding so I'd be willing to spend up to 10% of fab on Jarrett Patterson Uh, if you haven't used a lot of fab this point in the season maybe even bid up more than that just to make sure that you get him in anticipation that maybe Gibson doesn't make it through the season but for me I'd be looking to do up to 10% of fab on Jarrett Patterson and 
you know, adjust accordingly, I think, based on how you view your, your league and how sharp you think those in your league are when it comes to considering acquiring players like this. So super sleeper number two, Washington football team, Jarrett Patterson, up to a 10% fab bid on him. If you are a new listener and want to learn about all the amazing tools and articles over at Rotoviz, be sure to head on over to rotoviz.com and subscribe to the website. New subscribers can save 10% at checkout by using promo code RVRADIO2021. That's going to do it for today's Waiver Wire Rider podcast. Be sure to subscribe to Rotoviz Radio wherever you listen to your podcasts and leave a review. That always helps us out. Once again, my name is Zachary Kruger. You can find me on Twitter at ZK underscore FFB. Thank you for tuning into today's show. And until next time, I wish you good luck and a good day.